As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So today was a special interview for me. We have Ron Wiener on the show. For those that may remember, about 10 years ago, he was on one of the first reality shows focused on startups called Startup Junkies, where it chronicled the rise of Earth Class Mail. I was just getting into the industry at the time, and this was one of the first shows where I saw firsthand what was happening behind some of these high growth startups. Ron is now the CEO at the Thermogenesis Group, which helps produce and review equipment for standing desks, walking desks, and many other ergonomic and office fitness related products. So we're going to get into the science and the benefits of treadmill desks, of standing desks, and why you should prop up that desk and start standing right now. 
Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Ron, welcome. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited to, to have you on here today. Looking forward to this. Absolutely. I, I know you from Earth Class Mail and the Startup Junkie show, um, but today you're you're working on thermogenesis. Yes. Uh, tell me a bit, why, why was this um, so important to you um, to, to <laughs> pursue uh, a company that helped to activate the workforce, literally? Well, uh, I, I became the poster child for the Silicon Valley lifestyle, even though I haven't lived there since 91. Uh, I've continued in that modality in Portland and now in Seattle. Um, you know, with international travel and long meetings and donuts and coffee to keep you going and uh, just getting older. Um, I'm 52 now. When I was uh, uh, a few years back, when I did Startup Junkies, which has now actually been nine years since we filmed that, um, I weigh 90 pounds less today than I did then. Okay. So I, my health had gone off the cliff. And by the way, I'm married to a physician. Okay. So it's not like I didn't get clues all along the way that you're becoming a diabetic and, um, um, you know, the obesity is causing all kinds of other knock on, uh, problems. And, uh, as an employer, I'm also paying for healthcare for my employees and being mindful that three quarters of all healthcare dollars are for chronic uh, issues and the CDC just kept coming back and revising over and over again how much of the chronic care is a consequence of obesity, diabetes, and back pain. Uh, and these are all things that uh, were created by technology, uh, by automobiles, uh, by computers. And you know, as I studied it and, and realized um, we were only meant to sit for three hours a day. And that all changed in the Industrial Revolution when People started sitting in factories and um, eventually uh, sitting in front of computers. And then instead of cooking your own food and chopping your own carrots and, you know, making your own dinner, um, you go to a restaurant in a car and you sit and wait and somebody else does that and you sit and eat and then you drive home and then you sit in front of the TV set for an average of five hours a day as an American. So, you know, the the, uh, preponderance of sitting disease is evidenced in every statistic you can read about population health right now. It is the number one uh, uh, preventable cause of death. Um, You know, we had a really successful campaign against uh, smoking and uh, it is now, smoking is now number two. Number one is obesity. Uh, And I was a poster child for it and I couldn't hide that. I was on camera for 11 months, you know, Um, everybody knows. So I'd rather be on camera now. (laughs) uh, You know, I, I discovered treadmill desking uh, that was my first foray into it. And of course, when you get a treadmill desk, you're also getting a standing desk because basically it is a standing desk. With <laughs> it's kind of hard to do it the other way. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you go into the the ideal uh, regimen of breaking things up, like where you spend no more than one or two hours at a time in any one position. And it made an enormous, enormous impact on my productivity more than anything else. I mean, obviously, my health improved uh, and it was not solely uh, as a result of using a treadmill desk or a standing desk, but I, I look at it more as the gateway to uh, stamina, 
uh, to tightening up my ligaments and loosening up my joints so that what, when I went to the gym, I didn't come back out 10 minutes later and I could actually do an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, so even when I was really heavy, I was, I was, um, once I started treadmill desking, I was going to the gym all the time. Eventually I figured out, I also had to stop rewarding myself for that (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, actually pay attention to diet. Uh, and the combination, uh, really worked very, very well. But, um, so the funny story is true story with, um, this is company number eight with company number seven. Uh, I had a treadmill desk. I was employee number one. Once again, uh, I've now founded eight companies in 32 years and, and, um, I hired employee number two and and I went on a business trip and I come back and he's on my treadmill desk and I'm like, uh, geez, uh, do you like it? He goes, yeah, this is great. I never tried this before. I said, you want one? He goes, yeah, absolutely. So I got him one. And then employee number three came along. Uh, you know, we were still working on getting our funding around. And the same thing happened with employee number three. And pretty soon we had 20 employees, 18 of whom uh, either had a standing desk in their office or they shared one in, in, a, in a room we set up with shared units. Um, and they just take their laptops over because you're only working on it for an hour and a half or two hours at a time at the most. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have one in your office if you don't have space. It's very common for companies to set these up as shared resources. Um, and it was really, really interesting because uh, first thing we learned is that ergonomics matter. Uh, within a couple of weeks, every one of those employees came to my office complaining of carpal tunnel. And uh, we learned a lot about ergonomics and keyboard trays and monitor arms and all that kind of stuff. And once we figured that out, um, this, is my, this is my favorite story about it, actually, is we, we got our funding. And here we are in Seattle. We're trying to compete with Microsoft, Amazon, Google, everybody else, hiring software engineers and various other employees. And uh, we, we found ourselves selling them on the company. Come join our company. Um, come join Mary Benjamin and, uh, they would be like, well, I don't know. I got a lot of possible uh, offers out there. And then we take them on a tour of the company and they go, what are these things? And we'd say, oh, it's a treadmill desk. Would I get one of those if I worked here? <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. I'm in. Okay. So then we turned it around and we started doing the tours before the interviews. Okay. And then every single person was like, wow, I really like the culture here. I want to work on my health. I feel it. You know, mm-hmm. I've been working at a desk long enough ever since I was a college student or actually even earlier. Um, I mean, my my seven, seventh grader complains all the time about um, same issues that I hear from my, my 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-somethings about having to sit all day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we turned it around and they were all selling us. And then we were able to really ramp up. Um, hiring and get going a lot faster. So I became a, a true believer, not just because it worked for me, but also as an employer, I saw the sense in it. I saw the, the retention ability. I had employees tell me, don't ever fire me, please. I'll never get another job with a treadmill desk. That That isn't true today as much as it was back then, but it's still largely true. It's still Unless you work at Intel or Google or something, it, it's um, sometimes difficult. Yeah. Um, it's changing. But um, anyhow, the, and this was at uh, Equiship, right? That was at Equiship, yeah. yeah. And so you, so you saw like the potential for this. And um, how did you turn it into a business? What was the first step? Well, the first step was um, uh, long sort of details, but Equiship didn't make it. Okay. And uh, in the meantime, I've been running an incubator since 1998. And the style of my incubator with venture mechanics 
is very simple. Uh, I bring in a bunch of companies. Sometimes they're my own ideas, other people, other partners in venture mechanics or entrepreneurs we run across. And, and we play with them until we find one that we can really get behind and we're ready to fund it and we're ready to staff it. We got management picked out and we shut down the incubator and all the other companies and I go run that company. Um, so I've done this now six times since 98 and uh, we actually had the plan for uh, what is now Thermogenesis, uh, two, three years earlier. Uh, but we chose to go with Equiship instead, bec um, market timing reasons. At that point in time, if I went to people over the age of 40 at a cocktail party, maybe one out of 100 had heard of a treadmill desk. Mm. Um, when the company failed, uh, we made a decision as a board, since the, the founders were also the investors in the company, um, along with our outside investors that, wow, you know, we, we've joked all along that if this company doesn't make it, uh, we'll go do the treadmill desk company. Well, I, I took six months off after we decided, okay, this was a fast fail. Um, we only had a million and a half in it and it, will we go out and recapitalize and rebuild the software from scratch or just go on and do another company? There was a lot of enthusiasm around the table for how's that, treadmill desk market looking. So I took six months and, and um, uh, played, with, played with the uh, market analysis and, and spreadsheets and business plans and, you know, kicking it around and convinced myself that, yes, the timing was good. I was running into, instead of one out of 100, it was one of, out of 100 that hadn't yet heard of a treadmill desk. So clearly, in three years' time, there was a tremendous uptake. And in the meantime, of course, millions of standing desks had already been sold. So just in general, there was a tremendous amount of heavy lifting being done by the media, educating people and sending them to the web. Uh, go find out about office fitness. And so um, when I look at a business today, very different 30 years ago, but today yeah. I like to see sustainable margins. I like to see a lot of IP, a lot of proprietary technology, and we actually did have a whole bunch of proprietary technology that we started working on years earlier um, in, in this space. And um, I like to see a really low cost of customer acquisition. You know, unless you're going out to on a land grab, you know, against Uber or something and you got a lot of capital, you really need to focus on customer acquisition costs. And where most startups fail is they never solve that problem before they run out of money. Um, but if you got people that are being driven to the web because the media is doing all the heavy lifting, doing stories on standing desks and treadmill desks and obesity and diabetes, um, and of course, you know, corporate wellness became a thing <laughs> during that right. time. It was not a thing before then. Uh, you know, all trying to reverse these horrific trends, which, by the way, so far they failed to do. Okay. Um, you know, the trends continue to worsen. Uh, so, a, I saw. A really solid business here because people are searching on the web. And if you can be found on the web uh, efficiently through SEO and social media, uh, you can have an extremely low cost of customer acquisition. And in three and a half years, we've never broken uh, double digits. We have single digit cost of customer acquisition because it's all content. Wow. And there's millions of people searching every month trying to figure out how to deal with their back pain or obesity 
or some other circulatory issues, fatigue, what have you, anything related to sedentary disease. Um, we have hundreds and hundreds of pages of content uh, to catch those those folks. So I like that, but I also was looking for a social mission. I mean, I could do anything I want at this point in my life, and I wanted to do something that um, not only turned me on, but frankly, my wife never cared about any of my tech companies. She's a physician, right? right. And uh, she, she saw this and got really excited about it. And then it, that got me more excited about it. And it turned out we had a friend of the family who was the guy who invented the term sitting disease at the Mayo Clinic and did all the research, foundational research on this over the last 25 years. Um, and so there was a connection back to the Mayo Clinic and, and um, my wife's hometown of Rochester. And so uh, all these things converged. It felt like it was the, uh, the right thing to do. And it was an opportunity to massively affect health. I, I like to rub it in my wife's face that, hey, you know, you can see 25 patients a day. How many people can you help? I have thousands and thousands of customers walking off their diabetes every day. You know? <laughs> she like, loves that. <laughs> well, she eventually she's probably a, happy about a, it, right? <laughs> a user of our product and, <laughs> right. uh, and gets it. And a lot of her colleagues became users of our products. You know, doctors uh, very often are, are running from room to room, but then they have to sit for hours and do their charts, and it's agonizing. Yeah. Uh, so um, they also uh, are early adopters of treadmill desks, along with lawyers and coders and anybody who sits in front of a computer for a living. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. What kind of R&D process did you need to go through? I mean, is it more than just um, a treadmill on the floor without the, the arms that come up? Oh yeah. A lot more. <laughs> so, what, what kind of R and D right. did you do? On no, that's this? my first thought, right? The first time <laughs> I, it, I saw James Levine on, uh, on, uh, with Diane Sawyer and, and on, was that ABC or CBS, mm -hmm. NBC, whatever. Yeah. Uh, good morning, America. So I'm from GMA. Right? And I ran downstairs and I tore the pedestal off our treadmill. <laughs> right. And uh, proceeded to, you know, take the circuit board out of the pedestal and it's a tiny little circuit board in there and just put that on top of my desk. And then I had to hack together a desk because the standard desk isn't tall enough. Right? You just you're standing and you lost six inches under the treadmill. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, that that treadmill burned out in no time. Okay. So then I went and did it again <laughs> because I did not understand that a running treadmill uh, it has high torque at high speeds. And when you're walking at one to two miles an hour. You're not even, you know, walking speed's three miles an hour. So you're waltzing okay. at one to two miles an hour. You're putting an enormous load on a treadmill that's geared for 12 miles an hour. Okay. And it's pulling a dead weight. It's got to overcome the friction of the belt and the deck. And I didn't understand that until I met uh, one of our co-founders who'd been designing treadmills for 30 years. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're going to burn out an $8,000 treadmill doing that. doesn't matter what, what uh, the unit costs. It's not geared properly for that. So, yes, there was the mechanics. It has to be silent, which running treadmills have no such parameter for engineers to make it silent. Who cares what it sounds like? It has to be as small as possible to fit in your office but not be too small. 
Uh, and ultimately, anything you do today better be an appliance on the Internet of Things. It's got to talk to the cloud. Right? Okay. So, what, are you it, pushing data up on like calories and that kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have the capability. We're bringing out couplers next year to um, uh, upload uh, everything that you're doing, whether it's sitting at your desk or standing at your desk. And we know you're at your desk um, or it's you're on your treadmill and we've got everything from, you know, time, distance, speed, step count, calorie burn, et cetera. Integrating all that into the cloud. Once it's in the cloud, you can integrate it with your Fitbit. You can integrate it with corporate wellness software and you can actually do ROI analysis both on health and on productivity. Um, the interesting thing with Fitbits is they don't work well on treadmill desks uh, because you don't hit the G-forces of walking. Mm. Uh, so it's really, uh, for those people who are into personal quantification, uh, it's essential. But the other thing we found in our research, um, and, and so far we're just talking about the mechanical side of things, uh, is that corporations were blocking Corporate legal departments were blocking these uh, from coming into to the campus. And, you know, the legal department is, is an early adopter. They love treadmill desks, but they're not, not, not on their watch. They're not going to let them go out there. For uh, secure or um, uh, health or sorry, there are 60, insurance reasons? Yeah, there are 63,000 injury claims on treadmills every okay. year. You see them on YouTube fail videos, right? Yeah. Um, the reality is there's never been an injury at under two and a half miles an hour. <laughs> uh, and so, but if you, if you go get a lifespan treadmill or, or, some, or something else that, that uh, you know, goes to, to a higher speed, you could either fatigue out like happened to that tech CEO and, and trip and fall and die, or you could um, uh, trip uh, just because uh, you misstepped. And so, Number one, we knew we had to slow the thing down and we knew we had to get a really high torque gearing in there, um, make it really, really quiet. This is not an easy thing to walk up to a treadmill manufacturing factory and say, hey, we want some components you guys never use. You know? Right, right. <laughs> so it, is, it is a restart. It is a, a, a clean sheet design. Um, and it's got to talk to the web. And they don't know anything about making things talk to the web. Um, so, so that was uh, – one aspect of it, uh, just reliability, but the uh, console had to be like an iPhone, uh, had to be a touchscreen display because we figured out really early on you better put a, uh, a waiver, a uh, liability waiver, click wrap liability waiver on that screen just like you use GPS in any car today. And so we talked to insurance underwriters really early on and they said, yeah, and here's the language you want to put in. You do that, you're golden. So our product liability insurance costs the same as for furniture as it does on our uh, treadmill equipment because of that belt and suspenders approach to liability. And then we now we glide through. All of our competitors are stuck at the, at the, at the doors to, to major enterprise campus or uh, government campus or educational campus uh, because of the liability issues. And, and we're the only ones getting through these days. In fact, we're in 911 centers all over the country. Wow. If you can imagine, that is the New York of liability, right? right. Oh, uh, we didn't hear over the treadmill. We didn't miss the address <laughs> or it was huffing and puffing. Um, so, you know, uh, limiting the speed of the unit to two and a half miles an hour and putting that uh, liability click wrap waiver. Those are important um, uh, elements of it. But the other parts of it are, uh, and this is where we also have a, a bunch of patents, is um, the ergonomics Everything you see in our industry, unless it's our company, iMover is our proprietary uh, product. Um, it, unless it's an iMover product, 
what you see that when they call it an ergonomic standing desk or an ergonomic treadmill desk was based on research that's 25 years old when people were sitting. When monitor arms were designed for the, the height uh, of a sitting person and not when you stand and, and you're, you, you stretch out and you need your monitor arms to go a lot higher. Right. When your keyboard trays are limited to 15 degrees because otherwise it'd be in your lap. But when you stand, a neutral position is more like 30 or 40 degrees, not flat on the desk. And when you walk, what, was, what happens is you end up pressing down really hard on the palms of your hands to try to hold your finger positions over the keyboard. So your productivity goes out the window because your body is swaying. You're trying to type. The faster you walk, the more typos you make. And you're putting huge stresses on your shoulder and elbows and wrists and the palms of your hand. You're pressing on nerves. So we started studying that a long time ago. And unfortunately, I was the guinea pig here, and I've had to have surgeries as a consequence of how many years of doing this incorrectly. Um, But eventually, we pulled together an incredible team of uh, talent to figure out uh, to, to study the ergonomics of working while standing and working while walking. And literally today, we're still the only company that's ever done it. Everybody else is just relying on that old stuff. You know, they're furniture companies. They're not tech mm-hmm. companies. Right? So they're not out to, to reinvent the wheel. The wheels seem to be perfectly round and got you from point A to point B before. But what we hear from, um, we hear from a, lot of, a lot of users who have been using a very unergonomic steel case or life station or whatever kind of workstation, treadmill desk, um, as well as standing desks, and they have neck pains and they have back pains and so forth, which they shouldn't be having. So a big part of the the design challenge was let's not solve one problem and create another. So great, you got him on a treadmill, but now he's got back pains and he needs sol- shoulder surgery. Um, and so we focused on on getting it right. And initially, we did it by contacting the various companies in the industries. We were dealers for, for all of them. We'd written product reviews for all of them and said, here's what we think you need to do. And you know what? Nobody would listen. Oh, they okay. just didn't understand it. Uh, they didn't care to understand it. We ran into a brick wall uh, with most of them and eventually were compelled to launch our own brand our own proprietary brand. So here we had all this traffic coming to our site because they're looking for information. And we used to send all of it off to third-party vendors. Um, And over time, we ended up developing ourselves into the iMover brand, the broadest line of office fitness equipment of any company in the world. We've got many, many different lines of desks and treadmill desks and sit-stand converters and uh, you you name it, all kinds of products, ergonomic seating even, uh, for use in... In, in a different modality than sitting where your core is relaxed, but sitting with your with an active active core muscles. Um, so uh, that's that's how we've evolved. Sorry, yeah. long story. <laughs> was, was that an active um, strategy, like content strategy, um, in in doing all the reviews for the competitors, uh, knowing that maybe one day you would develop your own, or was that a very organic? Um, it was totally organic. Totally, it was okay. totally organic, and and we faced. A point, you know, face the fork in the road when we were ready to launch our first proprietary products. Like, how are we going to deal with this editorially? <laughs> right. Okay. And, uh, you know, we changed the word editor to expert because we were at this point experts on everything. And uh, we put disclaimers anytime we're reviewing our own products that we are co owned uh, Office Fitness Media and workwhilewalking.com, which is our biggest site still today, even for standing desks. Um, and uh, uh, so, so we, we, we fully disclosed that, that that's out there. 
But the even our direct competitors still send us their product six months before they release them to get reviews and yeah. to get feedback on the product. We happily give it to them. Our interest is in fostering the industry. There's no government agency that's going to come along in this country like they did in Europe and said, hey, you know, sitting's bad. Let's make everybody stand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to happen here. It's not our style. Uh, that, that, you know, Scandinavia hasn't had any fixed height desks since the late nineties, you know, (laughs) but here that had to develop in a free market way. Uh, and so we saw a role to fill by still keeping the industry together and we try to play nice with everybody. Uh, the fact is over time, um, we, we've created a lot of products and that have obviated continuing to sell certain other companies' products. But by and large, we still find, you know, no one company is going to satisfy all the different needs in the marketplace. And there's a lot more strength in playing well with others than there is trying to be our own brand. There are definitely companies in our industry that have built very large enterprises, you know, 100 million, 250 million on their own brand, and they don't play well with others. Um, I I think that's an arcane industry model. And, um, you know, coming from a tech uh, point of view, all anybody's really going to care about at the end of the day is sharing data. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's the key to compelling CEOs, CIOs, CFOs, VPs of HR, you know, that, um, hey, it makes sense to put money into active office furniture versus free gym memberships or Fitbits. Fitbits count what you do when you're not even at work. And free gym memberships are what you do when you're not even at work. And counting what you do at the gym, if you ever get there, which 85% of people don't, despite having the free memberships from their employers, you know, that doesn't hold a candle to what, what we know is the real ROI of fixing the first problem that is you you have sentenced all of your employees to to chair sentences right uh, at least your sedentary employees right not your warehouse workers but your knowledge workers your call center your senior executives and here's one of the most shocking statistics when i do a, a, a capital pitch um you know when my first slide <laughs> the the uh, you you would not think this but if you look at uh, a whole bunch of different careers uh, different jobs, utility pole worker, uh, working in a mine, working at Starbucks, whatever, compared to office workers, guess who has the highest health care cost per employee? Um, it's not the utility pole workers. Okay. It's IT um, and management. Okay. Okay. Yeah. These are the most sedentary portions of of the worker populations, 100 million people who sit at a desk all day or sit in meetings. Uh, and they cost us more as a society and as employers for health care than all these people who are in the rough and tumble jobs with, with nail guns and saws. And, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's shocking. It's right. shocking when you look at that statistic. And then when you look at the fact that the trend is not reversed, despite all these investments and, in, hey, we're going to give you $50 off your monthly premium if you take this blood test. Okay, what are you going to do with my blood test now? You take it every year. And I'm going to do right. I'm still sitting here still now. Sitting, give, me a, right. give me a desk and I can prove to you that I'm not sitting. That I'm sitting, but my, my, co, my co-worker is, is not sitting. And you can see the difference over time in the improvements in our triglycerides and cholesterol and blood pressure and, and A1C marker for diabetes and so forth. When you see that 
on a population, you can quantify that in financial terms. Mm-hmm. When you see people showing up for work a lot more, logging in and showing up from work because they used to go to the chiropractor and the massage therapist and the, the voodoo doctor and whatever else for their back pains and what have you, um, you see immediately that people are healthier, getting sick less often, uh, and so forth. That quantification is the key to all of this. Um, and then something happened uh, in the last year that has really driven this home uh, with uh, the companies that are big enough to have an actual corporate wellness department and people who actually go to conferences and share information about all this. You know, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has been going around suing companies that have more than a 30% difference in insurance premium between the healthiest employee and the least healthy employee. In other words, they're creating a protected class out of the obese. Okay. They're saying, oh, maybe it was their genetics or whatever. You know, you can't, you can't force them. You can't expect them. You, you, you know, what they don't want to have happen is that companies stop hiring anyone who isn't fit. Right. But guess what? That's already happening. Uh, and the EEOC has gone out there and they're winning these cases and they're in rulemaking uh, to, to say no more than 30 percent difference uh, between what your healthiest employee pays and their insurance premium and at least healthy. So that's caused a lot of companies to take a different tack instead of giving a discount on the premium to say instead, hey, you know what? Here's a thousand bucks here. If you work in Microsoft, here's 800 bucks here. You can spend on anything you want, a bicycle, a treadmill, what have you, as long as it's for your health. These PSAs, these personal spending accounts, mm. and that's a huge trend. And we see that that is feeding into this because a, a corporation facing the risk of, hey, we want to motivate employees to be healthy. We tried the financial incentive, hasn't done anything. We've tried the free gym membership for decades, hasn't done anything. We've tried giving them ergonomic chairs, which was the worst thing they ever did, right? Because now you're taking somebody who has back pain and you're making it comfortable for them to sit even longer. So chair companies are disappearing. Standing desk companies are cropping up like crazy. Um, you know, there's been that sea change. And we've tried the Fitbit. But the Fitbit really doesn't measure what they're doing when they're here under our roof. Uh, what, what, are the, what are we doing about the fact that we're making them sit for hours in meetings in front of computers? Uh, so it's become a much safer place to put corporate wellness dollars yeah. than what they've been doing so far. And, and we have a few early adopter Fortune 500 companies that have figured this out and they're sprinkling treadmill desks everywhere and they've already, you know, every time they remodel, they get rid of all the fixed high desks and they just go straight with, uh, with uh, sit-stand desks. Um, you know, Intel, I think it was about three, four years ago, if I recall correctly, something like 60,000 desks in one year. Um, they just, uh, you know, made the call. And, and that was a shot heard around the world. Then all the furniture companies came back the next year to their big trade show. And, oh, look at that. We have an adjustable height version now. Uh, and, uh, you know, within two years, there, was, there wasn't a single manufacturer of desks that didn't have adjustable height. I, I, I mean, right. even the $20,000 executive desks. Look at that. Beautiful cherry from our own farm. Yes. <laughs> adjustable height. <laughs> Yeah. So um, tell me about the, the customer and the sales process. Um, when they're coming to you, are they 
an individual in the company that is is interested for themselves? Or are you selling directly to companies who may be doing bulk purchases um, to help incentivize their employees? It's rapidly shifting. Okay. Uh, when we first started out, it was definitely very much, I'm on my own, I'm a rebel, give me some PowerPoint slides, I got to fight for this in my company, or I'm just paying for it on my own. And it was very much executives, you know, people who had the office size and the money and the permission. Okay. There's always those things, right? You need space, you need permission, whether it's at home, you need permission from your spouse, or it's at work, from the boss, legal department, um, and you need the capital. Uh, so it has certainly shifted as more and more are found within. Uh, you know, I was just at Microsoft yesterday, and you, you walk the halls, and there's treadmill desks everywhere I know, because a lot of them are ours. You know, people are very used to seeing them now. Okay. So uh, it's not a big deal. But you go into some old line industry, uh, outside of tech or legal or healthcare, or, you know, you, you go to some online industry and, and, and it's still kind of very infrequently seen. Uh, but what we're seeing is uh, the very biggest companies uh, are focusing on it either from a employee retention standpoint uh, or, you know, just reducing their healthcare costs or uh, productivity or whatever. But they have a corporate wellness department and uh, they're doing the research. Um, but today, uh, a couple of interesting things. One is, uh, we can have a customer in, 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 in a corporation or government agency or university uh, go online on a Sunday, do a Google search, standing desks, coupon code. Right? Okay. <laughs> They're going to pay for it with a credit card. Okay. Uh, whether they bought it from us on Amazon or they bought it through an affiliate or they bought it off our own website or whatever, our corporate sales team never heard from these people. Okay. And we come in Monday morning. I was like, wow, look at that. The attorney general's office of the state you know, <laughs> right. bought something on a credit card uh, over the weekend, and it could be one desk for themselves. It could be 50 desks for the department. Wow. Uh, so if you're in the contract furniture industry, you're quaking in your boots now because the, the whole con the traditional contract furniture industry, which, which knew about your new building a year before you were building it, and they gave you a 50,000 line item bid for everything from the, the lamps to the cubicle walls to the desk, you know, they, less and less business is going through them. And uh, you know, uh, some director level person in the company doesn't even think to call facilities or HR for what desks to get. They just go get them. Right. But the real big, big sea change that we saw is the trend to remote workers. So as traffic's gotten worse, uh, you know, and, and, and you're, trying to you're trying to hire the best employees, trying to retain the best employees, more and more companies, and I certainly saw this at Earth Class Mail, right? Why, why did Sprint launch with Earth Class Mail with 60,000 employees? They were literally shutting down a building a month. They were trying to move everybody out that they could. Uh, okay. They were following the footsteps of Sun and IBM that figured out there's no reason to have all these lit up buildings. Our employees could work from home and not commute or they can work on client sites. Um, they should be out. Uh, out and about and not coming into the office. And the last thing that was holding them there was their physical postal mail. It was the only reason they needed to have a desk. And once they, because right. email, phones, everything became virtual. Once they virtualized their postal mail, that's it. They were done. That was the last piece of the puzzle. And uh, they started ejecting thousands of employees from, from the buildings. Uh, that is a massive ongoing trend. And so we first break into a corporation or a government agency or university, most typically, uh, from a uh, used to be from just some executive who had the, the the money and the office space. Why not? Now it's mostly 
remote employees and, and Google saying, hey, uh, you know, our contract furniture dealer can't outfit you. Um, so you live in Hood River, Oregon, you know, go find whatever you want and we'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so they do their own search. They find something great and then they talk about it with other people who are remote commuting and then they talk about it with HR and they talk about it with people who are still at work at a fixed height desk and they go, wait a minute, we want those too. So it's, it's been very interesting for us. That has been our, our um, unanticipated uh, tip of the spear uh, getting into corporations has been mostly through remote employees because other, otherwise they're, they're buying really old technology from the old line, you know, Herman Miller, Steelcase, um, you know, barely, barely enlightened and three times the price. Uh, they go on the web and they go, wow, uh, it's only five grand for this really nice deluxe system. And Google says, cool. <laughs> that sounds <Right>. pretty cheap. <laughs> so, because we don't, we don't go through those multiple, you know, when you go through a contract furniture dealer, you're, you're paying um, the interior designers and architects and the installers and the dealers in that food chain. And so everything is very inflated uh, compared to going direct to a, a factory. When when a user goes on our site, we, we're set up like Dell. They go and customize their workstation. We've got thousands of different tabletop options, all right, colors, sizes, models. And they, they put their whole system together. It could have 20 components in it, and it's all made and shipped in five days. Wow. So they're, they're dealing directly with the factory. They just place the order right into the same – right into the IT stream uh, for that production line. So we're able to sell stuff for a third of the price. That's way higher technology, whether it's the lamination or, or the electronics, uh, what have you. Um, you know, the, the, the old school players are not into beating each other with technology. They mostly focus on the name of the designer who designed this new chair. Right. And, and this is going to be a really cool space for your people. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, these are the same people who, by the way, who eliminated cubicles. And now there's a, the pendulum is swinging back and people are realizing, wow, that was stupid. And they're bringing <laughs> cubicles. Because <laughs> the designer thought it was a great idea. And they did it in that agency. And they thought everybody should have no cubicles. But it, it, it went terrible at the first ad agency that they, they introduced it to. I remember hearing an interview with the guy who who invented it, and he was like, "Wow, this was a huge mistake." That's right. That's yeah. right. He's actually the one saying, you know, he's like the Robin Robert Oppenheimer coming out and saying, yes. "Oh no, we shouldn't have made nuclear bombs." <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened, and it's amazing how it, how long it takes to steer a super tanker off course. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we come out on the web and today, you know, people behave on a business purchase the same way they behave when they're consumers. They want it and they want it in two days. They want free shipping. You know, they want all the Amazon treatment and they don't want to hear eight weeks delivery time. (laughs) So um, when you're looking at that sales process, it's all done on the web. It's still, you know, it's a three to five thousand dollar sale for a single desk. Um, do you need a salesperson involved in that, or is that still just a completely automated process? No, absolutely. Actually, our desks go as low as seven hundred. Oh, okay, okay. Full treadmill desk system, law firm special. It can be up to six thousand dollars with all the goodies on it. Um, but uh, yeah, our approach to the market was very, very different. We take a highly consultative approach. Uh, interestingly, you know, times have changed. Um, we do have a retail showroom. Uh, we do get to, to meet with people face to face. And so we really get I, my sales team 
that handles all the calls from around the world, they really understand customers. They really understand their customers. They see them because they see them, they meet them face to face where our competitors don't have a showroom and they don't train the salespeople in a showroom. So, you know, they go to a trade show for training once a year and the rest of the time they're on the phone with people and they really don't understand how to do an ergonomic fitting, how to help somebody understand where should your monitor arm be? Where should your keyboard be? Uh, how do you deal with cables? How do you deal with sore feet? What is the importance of a standing mat here? Stand on here and see the difference it, it makes. Um, so we end up spending uh, about an hour on average with a customer, whether they're buying a treadmill desk, a standing desk, a sit-stand converter to, to put on top of their fixed-height desk or their built-in. Um, and these days, most of the interaction is live chat. Okay. So people are on, on our website. They end up um, uh, pinging us uh, in live chat. Not as many phone calls or emails as there used to be in the old days. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we do end up giving them in a very short period of time. We give them the, the uh, clear impression that we know what we're talking about. And they have a friend in the business who's going to not sell them only the product that they offer, but make sure that they're buying the right thing for their needs. And whether that's a, an iMover product or not, um, you know, we, we do still deal with lots of other companies' products, especially in a category like standing desk converters where there's 40 of them on the market now, and we only make two. Uh, so um, uh, it, it is very much a consultative sale. But next thing you know, corporate's calling us and like, hey, you took really good care of this customer, and we, we've got 50 employees down there that need, need new equipment, and we want to work with you. Um, so that has happened again and again and again. And the other, I got to tell you, because you asked about sales, mm -hmm. I have to tell you that the, again, an, um, unintended, I uh, wish I could say this was our strategy, okay. <laughs> observed something really weird going on and realized that that would have been a really brilliant marketing strategy if we'd just come up with it on our own and not by accident, but standing mats. Okay. You know, we've run into people who've been using a standing desk for 20 years and didn't know there was such a thing as a standing mat. And, and they use it for an hour a day and then their feet hurt. And with a standing mat, you can be on there for five hours at a time and your feet won't hurt and your spine won't compress as much and you'll retain more sit reach flexibility and all these other health benefits from standing on a proper mat that's actually designed to be – it's not a kitchen mat. You're supposed to be on barefoot for 45 minutes. These are mats that – uh, have a lot more um, polyurethane density in them, and, and uh, you can stand in shoes, and you'll never destroy them. Uh, uh, but you can stand on them for many hours on end, and uh, still be completely comfortable and healthy. Uh, so we added standing mats to our offerings, thinking, well, maybe if we sell 100 desks, we might sell 30 standing mats. All of a sudden, we're noticing, wow, we're selling, we're selling way more standing mats than desks. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, it got viral. People discovered it. And just like we discovered it ourselves, we were all figuring out, oh my God, I, I used to rub my feet all day. <laughs> None of us have a chair at our office. That's part of our company culture. So, um, And then we discovered these mats. They made a huge difference. We even trimmed them out to fit on top of your treadmill. So if you just want to stop the treadmill and continue to stand on it, you're not standing on a hard deck. Um, you can stand on a mat. And, uh, you know, our catalogs in the box and that became the tip of the spear. And so now we, we end up getting more customers. First off, they keep coming by, coming back for more and more mats, bigger and bigger orders. Um, but we also see them coming back, you know, discovering that, oh, we, we make desks and treadmill desks and stuff like that too, where clearly they already had a standing desk or they wouldn't be buying a mat. Right. Yeah. But there are millions out there that we did not put out there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it existed us. 
and so it's been a great way to find customers that are, of course, great referral sources because who are you going to ask about what kind of standing this to get? You're going to go find somebody who has one already and say, hey, what, what did you get? How do you like it? So um, that, that has been uh, uh, a happy accident. How have you incentivized that referral? Um, or is it more of an organic word of mouth that you're relying on? It's, it's really quite organic. Um, to be honest, we're growing so fast, we just do a terrible job of reaching back to our customers other than an occasional newsletter. Um, we don't even have time to call them back <laughs> and say, hey, you got any others? Because we're just able to keep up with um, the, the, the inquiries yeah. that come in. Yeah. Yeah. What other, I mean, I've recently seen a ton of studies about um, fitness and mental, uh, like, I guess, strength. Um, What have you seen, um, which is incredibly important for people who are looking to be more productive, um, what have you seen with uh, like a a standing desk or even the the treadmill desk and its effect on on your mental strength? So it's actually my favorite topic um, (laughs) because uh, we were all cavemen a long time ago and our DNA is still caveman DNA. And an interesting thing happens when you go on the hunt. When you start walking, uh, your metabolism revs up, your mental focus revs up, you're a lot less subject to distraction, um, and you're getting more oxygen flow to the brain. Uh, And there's also the positive health effect of you're pumping blood back up. Your calf muscles are like the second heart in the body, and and you're pumping blood back up. You're getting more more oxygen. uh, your, Your thinking improves. So when you go on a walk, with a friend and you're talking, you totally lose track of time. You're hyper-focused in your conversation. You end the walk an hour later and go, wow, it felt like 10 minutes. Well, guess what? The same exact thing happens on a treadmill. Same exact thing. Uh, so while uh, most of our customers are buying a standing desk today, about half of those say that they're thinking about maybe adding a treadmill some, somewhere down the road, but they just want to you know, uh, stand before they walk and walk before they run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... Uh, will will realize after a while that you can't stand all day, even with a standing mat, you right. know, so you still got to switch it up. And it, particularly for women, uh, more susceptible to this, but you can develop varicose veins from blood pooling in your legs. You, know, you can develop low back pain, especially if you don't use a standing mat. You will develop low back pains, guaranteed. Um, and, and other issues around the ergonomics of how to use a standing desk. Every single one of the companies in our industry shows people at a standing desk with their arms at a 90 degree angle, which is completely wrong. Okay. And, and they, they think that this is correct because it's what worked in an armchair when you had armrests holding up your arms. Um, but when you're standing, you know, if you look at our desk, they have built in keyboard trays that you can tip down literally to 85 degrees, not just 15 degrees. Most people use them between 30 and 45 degrees. Um, and so you're much more relaxed and much more ergonomic. So, you know, first thing is when you switch to standing, what happens? Well, your, your basal metabolic rate goes up a little bit, your resting heart rate. So you're going to burn a few more calories. How many? Not a lot more. You know, anybody who puts as a first bullet point weight loss on a standing desk is is just that that that's foolishness okay. um, that nobody's going to lose a lot of weight just by switching to standing. It may be the first step among many steps to 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 fixing your lifestyle, but um, and it, it's definitely going to have much more of an effect in your productivity. You're going to feel that first. You're going to feel more energized because the moment you sit down, 20 minutes later, both your metabolism and your mental acuity 
shuts down about 20%. And again, it's caveman DNA. You're not on the hunt anymore. Your body says, let's preserve those calories. Mm. Let's convert anything that you eat to fat instead of burning it uh, to store it for later because we're not on the hunt. So these mechanisms in our bodies, you know, we've only been sedentary for the last 200 years since the Industrial Revolution. Before that, we were constantly mobile, agrarian society and so forth. And uh, so, you know, it still very much plays a part. And now you look at the next step. Why should I go to a treadmill? Well, people who've been standing for a long time are, the, are, are the, the quickest adopters to treadmills, right? Because they realize that um, you can't stand all day. And the treadmill, now you really are cranking up your basal metabolic rate. You've gone from roughly 30 calories an hour to just laying there breathing to more like 110, 130 calories an hour. Um, again, don't reward yourself for doing this or you offset that. Oh, it took me years to figure that one out. Uh, <laughs> and you laugh because it's true, right? I know, and it um, doesn't take much to, to eat 100 calories. <laughs> no. <laughs> one Snickers bar, now you need to stand for another six weeks. Right. That Snickers bar. But if you have a treadmill desk, you only have to stand for a week. You, know, you only have to work for a week. So, um, anyhow, but now you're getting your blood pumping back up. Your brain is kicking into focus mode. And so when I first started treadmill desking, I didn't understand this. And I, I write for a living. I do a lot of writing. And uh, I, I avoided writing while walking. Uh, I thought that it would be too distracting. And eventually I realized, oh, my God, it's the other way around. When you're sitting, you get very distracted by the Twitter stream and the email toaster and the Facebook ping yeah. and everything, all bleeps coming out of your computer. And you don't get nearly as much work done when you're walking and your, your caveman DNA kicks in, you become hyper-focused. And as long as you got a good ergonomic setup, you will be able to type at the exact same proficiency as sitting, no matter how fast you're walking. Um, and you're going to output like crazy. So this is true, so true, Michael, that we had to build – timers into the treadmill to prevent people from accidentally going too long. Oh, you remember wow. those Pomodoro timers? I don't know if you're old yeah. after yeah. those. Sure. Uh, so we built Pomodoro timers in there. And, and the theory behind Pomodoro, and this is like 30 years ago, was ah, after 25 minutes, you need to walk around for five minutes. And after a couple hours, you need to take a really good break, like a lunch break. Okay. Uh, and that'll be the maximum um, mental acuity. Well, it's all based on that same thing we were just talking about, about your, your caveman DNA. And so we, we found, we, we built, built in those timers because you totally lose track of time. You could walk for three or four hours and just be cranking out work and not notice that the time has passed. Get off your treadmill without having had any water or stretched or gone to the bathroom for all this time. And all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes later, your torso muscles are all bound up and you're, you're parched and dehydrated and fatigued. So, we, we do spend a lot of time, we, we really take uh, the effort, we created this document, what to expect when you're expecting your first treadmill desk that we send out before it arrives to get people um, knowledgeable on how to break in, how to, you know, you're actually using slightly different muscles. Uh, when you hold on to the keyboard, uh, you're creating a closed loop and you're not using the exact same muscles as standing or the exact same muscles as walking and you need to break those in. You need to strengthen those over time. There's a regimen and how often to take a break and how important it is to stay hydrated and all that. And if you do all those things and you use the Pomodoro timer and you don't overdo it, you will have a, an experience that 99% of the people who adopt the treadmill desk never go back. 
versus 85% of fitness gear that ends up in the garage after 50 hours, right? So it's a totally different thing. You're changing your whole work style. You're changing your office around. You're making big moves here, decor, money, space, permission. Uh, and once you adopt it, you never go back. You become addicted to the productivity. Yeah. Wow. I, I, and it makes sense. We spent eight hours a day or more um, for many of us at work. And it, it, it makes sense to make that um, more active. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we do find a lot of people, um, like if you work at Amazon, you're probably crammed into an office. And you don't even have space for a treadmill desk, even if they let you have one. Uh, but you end up taking a lot of work home. And so we do find a lot of people these days calling us saying, I'm doing this for my home office because I continue to work, whether it's on my personal finances or my book project or stuff for work work. I, I am sitting at a computer at home after I sat in my office all day and that's got to stop. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's a very common thing we hear about as well. Well, thank you so much, Ron, for, for coming on and sharing this with us. Um, it's incredibly exciting to hear about your, your current venture, especially for those of us that have kind of um, been familiar with your work for you know, the last decade. So, um, so thank you so much. Where can we learn more about uh, the, the standing desk um, and, and purchase, I guess, one if, if we're interested? So the best place to learn about standing desk and treadmill desks is workwhilewalking.com. We, we, we merged workwhilestanding.com into that. So all the okay. content's on one site now. Um, and there's product reviews and there's advice cat categories. There's uh, everything from how to do your ergonomics to if you're, if you're a DIY person, how to do that. Uh, all those kinds of things. Great blog articles. Definitely worth looking through the blog articles um, as well. But uh, we do, our biggest landing pages are comparison reviews where we take the whole category. So if you're looking at a standing desk, we always recommend start with a comparison review, understand different kinds of mechanisms, different price ranges, what do you what do you get? And then you can dig in from there into individual reviews. Um, as far as buying the most ergonomic standing desks and treadmill desks and sit-stand conference tables and desktop converters and all that stuff, um, that's at iMover, I-M-O-V-R dot com no e i m o v r dot com um those are our two biggest sites cool well thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure a huge thanks to ron wiener for coming on today in case you missed that go to workingwhilewalking.com and you can find out more about treadmill desks and standing desks and everything else that they offer We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Bench. Bench is the easiest way to get your bookkeeping done. Go to bench.co forward slash rocket ship and get 20% off your first six months of bookkeeping. And by Todoist, Todoist makes managing your tasks simple and easy. So go to todoist.com forward slash redeem and use the code rocket ship to get five premium accounts for your team free for an entire year. So if you're enjoying this series, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a quick review. Five stars will do. That's just fine. If you'd like to see old episodes, go to rocketship.fm or just search them in the app that you're listening to this podcast. They're all there in our feed. We 
have over 250 previous episodes, including now the first four episodes of our productivity series. So you definitely don't want to miss those. So go check them out. Follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Joel at Joel Goldman, and Mike Belsito at Belsito. We'll see you here in just a couple of days. Thank you.